This is Colossus, and you are listening to The High Regard Show. The High Regard Show. It's... Good, be a crackhead! Check out The High Regard Show. New episodes every Monday. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back to that same old Hey everybody, I'm Tom. And I'm Nikki. And this is the High Regard Show. In which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up on the third floor. Moving on up. Oh, it don't get better than that. No, sir, it doesn't. Hi everybody, welcome back to the High Regard Show. By everybody, do you mean me? I do. Well, it's glad. I'm glad to be back. Yes, it's so wonderful to have you home after getting another lecture on production value and quality and rules that you have. I don't know what it is. Last week you did the show by yourself pretty much. I did, and it was lovely. I loved being in charge and being able to talk, and it was lovely. I mean, from everything from setting up like what it was going to be about all the way through to the interview and the production of it, like... It was so good. I know. Flash forward to today, though. Take number three we're on right now, because why? Because you're being a bitch. No. Because That's not it? Are you sure that's not it? Because we go over the levels of the microphone before every show. <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, just like that, you're perfect. Okay, you're all Nobody leveled up. Cares. I press record, and you yell Nobody into the microphone and blows out, blow out the whole sound. I was excited to welcome our listeners back. Take two, you're in the same position, your levels are perfect, and then you whisper into the microphone, and then you don't show up at all. But I digress, because take three, so far you're pretty good, but I told you to stay like a statue, so pretty much you're I'm staying very like a uncom- statue. Right I'm now. very uncomfortable for what it's worth. Well, good. I have never wanted to move more in my life than I am right now. Don't move. I need to shift. No. I need to shift my leg. Oh, God. Here we go. It's the beginning of the end of you right now. (laughs) So, would you like to get... I would like to get into a you hurt if that's what you're asking, yes. Into a you hurt. Because I'm not going to take the back seat anymore, Tom. I'm not going to do it. Well, your Miss Daisy days are over. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. I, there's been I've been called worse things, I guess. Oh, I bet this week alone you've been called worse <laughs> things. <laughs> I have almost no doubt at all in that. <laughs> all right, so why don't we um... get into what you heard? You heard? This week's you heard comes to us from the Staten Island Ferry Terminal. Riveting. (laughs) (laughs) You're in New York. Get rid of your nice face. Oh, man. Somebody got off the boat and was teaching some truth. (laughs) (laughs) It was like these four women who were just riding the ferry to see the Statue of Liberty and then coming back because it was free. Because, you know, the Staten Island Ferry is free. And they were just like, I don't know where they were from. They kind of seemed like they were from Jersey, but, you know, that's just me profiling, I guess. But they were just like, you know, you you're, you can't be too nice in the city and don't be like, don't smile a lot. And I'm just like, 
Okay, yeah, because yeah, we're such horrible people. But I thought that it would be good, like, you know, take your nice face off because you're home from the Midwest now. Is my nice face off already? I don't think you really have one, but... I feel like I was a pleasure in Minnesota. They wanted me to stay there. They were like, you are the best patient we ever had. <laughs> I'm sure that's what they said. That's some presidential satire right there for you. <laughs> and that's this week's You Heard before Tom barrels over any more of my one segment. Did I go over your segment? Oh, you always no. do. What are we going to do? You treat them like the covers of our bed. <laughs> they are mine. Nope. They are mine. But whatever it is, it doesn't make a difference. So here we are, back at the same table. I feel like nothing has changed in the last three weeks. No, I guess, I mean, we, you know, I turned into a cheese curd for a minute, and then I turned back into a human. Mm, man, don't even start with the cheese curds. I've had enough of those for right now. But before we go into our cheese curd expose, which I'm sure will come up again five more times during the show probably, <laughs> why don't we get this show rolling with some theme music for the show, actually? Roll it. Roll it, roll it, roll it. Roll it, roll it, roll it. So, roly-poly-rorty it is. A whole show dedicated to Tom. Just what everybody wants. You shouldn't have. (laughs) You look like a little birthday bitch right now. Oh, well. (laughs) I just got a pony. At least I didn't celebrate it for the whole month that I was getting my own show. Oh, like your birthday. Like I'm allowed to celebrate for an entire month bullshit. As if you don't try. I try, but nobody cares. No, we lose interest after the, you know... Your birthday's on the 10th. By the time we get to, like, the 12th, we're like, all right, we're over it. Rude. I know, but either way. So, Mayo Clinic. What do you think? There was not one ounce of mayonnaise that I saw at the Mayo Clinic, and I was very happy. I was very happy (laughs) that there weren't mountains of mayonnaise. (laughs) Yeah, because there was mountains of cheese curds. I mean, I don't know which one's worse for you, but... um, yeah, so So I would where say, are we? How do you, how do we feel? I feel like shit. But I would say the trip itself was successful. Yeah. Yeah. And what makes you say that? Because I actually had gotten a prognosis. Mm. So, diagnosis murder. Uh, well, thankfully not. Like seriously going there. Was I that was a TV thinking, show? Yeah, I think maybe. With like Dick Van Dyke or something. Oh my god, who knows? You just anyway. want to say dick on the air. Just <laughs> say it if you want to say it. I wanted to say Dick Van Dyke. Like, all, right. all together. But, all okay. together. So what is your prognosis, Tom? Well, after taking numerous tests. Like how many tests? Anywhere between two and three a day. Like what kind of tests? Like what? Like walk us through it. All right. So the normal day is pretty much waking up at like six o'clock. Which you never do. It was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. But luckily, it's an hour time difference, so it's really 7 o'clock. So it's not as bad psychologically. But seeing the number 6 on the clock every morning, blue. You poor, poor thing. Yeah, well. So waking up at 6 and then um, getting on a little minibus 
and going to the hospital. <laughs> Minibus, the short bus. He rode the short bus to the hospital. I had to, man. What do you want? <laughs> so I get there, and every day it was like more blood work. Every day that goes without. Were you like a pin pin cushion? Yeah, and man, I would tell you, man, man. they did not use. The little tiny needles. Because you know there's different size needles oh, I know. that you can get. So there's like super thin ones that, you know, if they're going right. to whatever, or like thicker ones. They kept using like garden hose variety needles pretty oh much. Oh, my God. Because they needed to take so much blood, I feel like, on a daily basis because they were testing for everything. So my first days there were spent with a neurologist. And he was trying to get to the bottom of why... When I stand up, am I either getting dizzy or passing out? Right. And that's where most of the danger comes from. Which is why you've been homebound because you can't really. You don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm pretty sure it almost always happens either way. So, so, um, you know, we, this is what we were trying to get to the bottom of. And, you know, I told them that I was had a cardiologist involved up until the point of going to the Mayo Clinic. And right away he had some ideas of what it could be. So after he ran his tests, which, um, you know, consisted of a bunch of different kind of sweat tests. Like they like talked in- about the talk about the sweat test because they were crazy because I was still there for the sweat test because I stayed for a week. The first week that you were there, I stayed. Yes. And then I had to come back because I don't have that much vacation time. And I was like, please, just please go leave. back. I want the whole bed to myself. Oh, my God. Whatever. But anyway, I digress. I enjoyed being in my bed alone as well. So well, just well, so well. you know. So there you have it. I enjoyed sleeping in the middle and then you came home. I know. That's <laughs> what I do. I eventually return. <laughs> so Like a boomerang. <laughs> pretty much. Half pillow will travel. <laughs> So, um, you know, the neurologist, for the most part, when he suggested the sweat test and the table tilt test and all these other tests, I didn't know what any of these things were because I've never had any of these kind of tests before. The sweat test was in two parts. Part one, which was like, I don't know, maybe like the end of the first weekend, they had hooked up, um, I guess it was like electrodes to my forearm Mm -hmm. and my calf and what they would do was they would electrocute you like with a current and they would send the current through and they would do it sporadically and what they would try to do is create anxiousness Mm -hmm. so that so you sweat you would sweat and you know they told you right from the start they were like it's gonna like not be comfortable it's gonna feel prickly i mean it didn't hurt but it felt like somebody was rolling a cactus in that area over and over but i mean Regardless of what anybody says, I do have a pretty high pain threshold, so I don't feel like that test was doing really what it was supposed to, because I feel like you had to be anxious, and I was like, this isn't really that bad. Right. You know? Yeah, no. Which is why they do a follow-up sweat test the next day to try to get you going. Um, so that was that was one day. The next day, the sweat test is they cover you completely. In, you're naked on a table. <laughs> oh God! Just thinking about it made me have a gasp of breath. Tastefully nude. Thank God I lost a weight before I went there. <laughs> but they'd put a towel over your junk, and then they dust you in like first they spray you with water, like out of a water bottle, mm-hmm. and then they dust you down like with like this powder, 
And the powder... Does the powder smell? The powder does not smell at all, but they do every inch of your body. And what happens is the powder, which is kind of clearish white almost, Mm -hmm. like you don't really notice it. Um, What they do is after you're all powdered up, they roll you into like... Nuts. No, they don't roll you in nuts. Although that would be delicious. (laughs) (laughs) And so they roll you into like a, almost like a tent that's in the middle of this room which is just big enough to fit the bed that you're on Mm -hmm. that's all that fits in there and they close it and they crank the temperature up to 107 degrees oh my god with 40 percent humidity and they leave you in there until your body reaches 104 degrees and stays that way for five minutes and then once you get to that point which for me took 45 minutes it took 45 jesus christ i think i would have been like 10 seconds well no because they play music and stuff like that no i'm just saying like i like i sweat the second ah. i walk outside you see it didn't really bother me that much because as long as i'm laying down like i said like i feel safe like i'm i'm you know into a confined area i don't feel like i'm gonna fall over or pass out or anything so even if it was an uncomfortable situation where it's like hot and sweaty and stuff it's like all right i know i'm not gonna get hurt from this i'm gonna sweat big deal yeah and you're loungy by nature so you're very loungy if i ever had a rap group it would be called lounging by nature (laughs) so um so you sweat and then they pull you out of this thing and then they take pictures of different parts of your body, like your ankles, your wrists, mm-hmm. your chest, your you know your head, to see like where the most amount of sweat is coming through and now, whatnot. What was like? So you were in this thing for like forty five minutes. Yeah. Like you were in this like sweat lodge, like a George Bluth sweat lodge. Yeah. So like, what kind of music were you listening to? Was it your music? No, they played like spa music. So it's just like relaxing spa music that they're playing while you're in there. Did you fall asleep? No, God, no. Was the temperature, like, uncomfortable? Like, what what did you think about, like, was it dark? Um, No, it was bright as all hell. Really? Man. Yeah, because the lights they had turned on to, like, make the... That's what they used to heat it up. So they had, like, those red lights that you can find, like, in the electric heaters, the old electric heaters, you Or, know? like, the hotels that have, like, the red light for the heat. Like, you know how some hotels have, like, a yes. heat light? Yeah, so yeah. it's like that. Okay. So it's, it's like a bunch of them, though, that they oh kind of God. flick on. So, I mean, it's very, very bright in there. And then when you come out, when you sweat, your sweat mixes with whatever that solution that they put on you is in powder, and it turns purple. And I was... Purple you were so toe. purple because you did send me he did no you didn't send it to me because no, I think I you were afraid that I, like I would do something with it it no longer exists to be honest are with you, you serious a full naked picture you sent of me, me a, purple you had a full frontal nudie I did of you as a purple people eater and you got rid of it yes that's shameful but I have one from the waist up which is the same thing only without my legs and junk junk in it your purple junk yeah my purple junk <laughs> but um you know getting the shit off was insane because i'm you know scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing and they were wait like, like you so you took a shower there yep because they have a shower set up for you they have a locker room set up for you you're the only person doing the test you're the only person in the shower did you're they the have like shower gel and stuff for you everything like Shampoo, what kind conditioner 
uh, like hospital brand. It smelled like cleaning, Ugh. you know, like cleaning product. I soap. would say thank you, but no, I'll shower at the hotel. Yeah, I know what you would have done, which I'm I did very, anyway. You did, yeah. You came back and you were like, I need to take another shower. And I was in the, I was in the shower for 20 minutes just scrubbing and rinsing. And he was okay. like, you know, you're not going to get it all out, but you can come as close as you can. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, I still have to get to the hotel. And people are going to be like, who is this Barney motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that was the other sweat test. And um, what else? I did what is called a tilt table test. Which tilt table test, tilt table test, tilt table test. You win an award because you said it three times without messing it up. Look at me. <laughs> I know. So the tilt table test, basically what happens is, and I, I walked in and I was joking around with them because when you're laying on this table, it's almost, it's just a flat table, like a little bit of padding, not a lot, but they had this these two massive thick leather straps on the table. Like one is up around by your... Um, in your belt area. Mm-hmm. The other one is uh, right by like your knees. Get it? You're picturing it? Okay. So on so your on lower body. Down. Yep. Okay. And they strap you in. And as soon as I got in, I was like, oh, I'm like, is this for if I start acting up, you guys are going to strap me down to the table? And they're like, no, we're just going to strap you down to the table. Whether you <laughs> act up or not. And I was like, oh, shit. I was only kidding. I didn't know that that's what it's really for. But okay. So they strap you to this table. And after and they, you're dressed like every year. Um, yeah, you just don't you don't have a shirt on because you have a bunch of electrodes hooked okay. up to you. And what they monitor is blood pressure and heart rate, um, and oxygen in the blood. And they do it laying down. You know, you're laying down while they do it, mm-hmm. and they are taking regular manual blood pressure as well during the whole time. And um, you lay there for like ten minutes or so, and they monitor you. And then after that, they kind of tilt the table up a little bit, and then they monitor you. And then they lower it back down. They monitor you again. Okay. And then they tilt it almost all the way up standing forward. But after laying down for so long. And, right. You know, because during that time they're taking blood and doing other stuff. The table goes straight up and down, but they do it like really fast mm-hmm. so that you, you know, to try to reenact. Like you're scared. Right. Yeah. yeah. They, they want it to, to basically be able to monitor what it's like when you stand yeah, up. Yeah, so they can be there and see what happens when they when that happens. Yeah, so they did that, and then I got like a little bit dizzy there, um, which was good because they you know, see there's what a happens. record of it, yeah. sure. And um, so that was that test. I did a stress test of, you know, like just regular running on a treadmill type of thing. And that was the first time you've ran since this whole finagle began. Yeah. And I wouldn't even call it really a run. It was more like I was walking a little bit faster than I should have been really <laughs> is what it was. But, I mean, they had um, everything set up. I mean, it's just amazing that, like, they plan all this stuff out. Like, mm-hmm. they're waiting for you to fall because they want to reenact these things. Of course, yeah, because how else are they going to know what's happening? Like, how are they going to fix right. and determine what is wrong with you? But I feel like so many medical people, like – won't do tests like this because if oh. you get hurt in their office, they're not yeah. responsible where these people are like, nope, we're going to take their whole precaution, business. we're going to do it. Right, but the whole reason you go to the Mayo Clinic is to f- have them figure out something that has not been able to be figured out. Right. So, here we go. The next test was, um, I'm trying to think what the next one was, because we did like the, the running test, mm-hmm. and then they had... Um, Good Lord, man. 
You just did so many that it's I hard. know, I know. A lot of it was like blood tests, talking with counselors and stuff like that. And um, I don't know. It was it was just overloaded because I feel like you were just talking from doctor to doctor right. to doctor. Luckily, after the first week, I was talking with one of the doctors who was called a physical medical physical medicine specialist. Physical medicine specialist. Okay. So his whole gig is to basically prescribe exercise instead of medicines mm-hmm. to do the same things that medicine will do. Sure. So you can go that route before you start pumping yourself full of medicines. Because the problem is, is when your blood pressure drops really low when you stand up, you could take medicine to raise your blood pressure, like I do now, small mm-hmm. doses, but to try to like make it level so when I sit, lay down, or stand, it stays the same. But the problem is, at some point in time, if it's something that's not going to be corrected, um, no big deal. You could take the blood pressure medicine forever. It will do what it's supposed to do. That's right. It. But if it's more because of a weight loss situation or something like that, your blood pressure could snap back. And if it does snap back and you're on you know, medicine to make your blood pressure go up, then you're screwed because now you're going to have high blood pressure. Right. And losing all that weight made me not have high blood pressure, so I didn't want to be on the medicine. Right, of course. Like, why would you want to be? And, like, you made these strides to be healthy in so many different ways, and, like, here you were, like, taking a shit ton of pills. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it's still, I mean, I think it's, like, 13, 14, 15, it's, like, 16 pills a day right now is what I'm on. But um, in talking to him, he was just explaining without giving me a diagnosis, because, like I said, it was halfway through the trip probably. Um, he was like... Picture this, your body is, let's say, like a test tube that's half filled with water. And if you're holding it sideways, so like you're laying down, so you're holding it like going from right to left instead of up and down, Mm -hmm. the water will touch both ends of that test tube, Mm -hmm. like both edges of it. And he goes, and that's you when you're laying down state. He goes, but he goes, when you stand up and then you put test tube vertical all your blood drops down just like the water does and none of it reaches the top part of it which is on my body would right, be my your head. head yeah so he said um to learn what the cause of this is is going to be almost impossible and he goes and he says you know it could have been from the infection. It could have been from the bariatric surgery. And the infection was been... like, you know, the kidney stone infection yep. after the two surgeries that you had right. for kidney stones. He goes, it could have just been a body trauma type thing where, you know, this started to happen. And Yeah, because you had two major operations, operations within yeah. four months. Yeah. And so... he goes, that's not normal. So basically, what I got is not super uncommon in women who have children for the second time. Right. Um, it's basically your body says, I have taken enough abuse at this point in time, and I'm going to shut down if you try to bring me for another procedure or something that's going right. to harm me. So when I stand up, what happens is my adrenal gland, I guess, you can say goes into like fight or flight mode. Right. Allows all the blood to drop to my ankles because of gravity. And then nothing shoots it back up. 
when nothing shoots the blood back up because, because the of muscle deterioration, is saying, right? Play dead. Well, that and also, you know, my head is saying like, I don't know where you're taking me, so play dead right now. Right. And so the blood doesn't pump up really fast. And what happens then is my brain says we're not getting enough blood. Shut everything down. And then that's how come the passing out and the dizziness happens. Okay. So this physical medicine doctor was like... This physical medicine man. Yes. He was like, what I need you to do is leg exercises. As many as you can do sitting down. But, you know, if you can walk, if you have supervision to walk, Mm -hmm. I'm allowed to do 11 minutes a day. So I could take you out on a leash? For 11 minutes. For 11 minutes. For 11 minutes. And I tried to do a little bit longer um, when I got home yesterday. And that did not go over well. No, it didn't. <laughs> because you get, like, because you were, you know, like, while you were taking the bus, you know, to and from the Mayo Clinic, you were doing walking as well because they suggested that you do that. So there were points where you were, like, walking down the street, you know, in Rochester and stuff. And you looked so good. Like, you had color on your cheeks. You were get because you were getting more fresh air than you've had in the last, like, four months. Because yeah. we were talking, you know, on the way to Minnesota that, like, you had left the house. Like, we could count on one hand how many times you left the house for things that were not doctor's appointments you know it was like dinner for a birthday dinner for mother's day you know graduation for tyler like you only left like five times in the last like four months i know i mean it's been like a shut-in yeah you know so um he was like if you build up your muscle legs you know, like by doing 11 minutes, no more than 11 minutes a day. Um, what will happen is when you stand up, your muscles will automatically contract. And when they do, it will push the blood from my legs back mm-hmm. up to my head. Right. And if they get strong enough, that can happen so quickly that my brain will think, hey, we got the blood we need. There's no need to shut down. Right. And then, you know, it will cause some of the dizziness and passing out. Again, it's not going to stop it every single time, but it should slow it down a lot. Right. So that was the best explanation as to what was happening to me and what has to be done to fix it than anyone else had given me up to this point. Right. So fast forward a couple of more days, a couple of more tests. The, the weirdest one was the adrenal gland scary test where they put you in a very dark room they give you a needle and they well first they take blood mm-hmm. and they leave like an IV in and you go in this dark room and they play like soothing music and stuff like that for you to try to fall asleep when you fall asleep they inject you with something mm-hmm. and what it does is it over I guess it hyperactivates your adrenal gland and they will told me up front they're like going you know there's gonna you might be scared so this is what we want. We want to right. try to we get a fright out of you so we can monitor all this other stuff. So um, I was sound asleep and just out of nowhere for a second, I jumped up and spazzed <laughs> out swatting things away that weren't there. <laughs> and then I opened up my eyes and I'm like, what the hell just happened? And then a voice comes over to loudspeaker, which scared the hell out of me again, which was just like, are you okay? And I'm like, yep. And they're like, well, we know that that worked. So... We're good. And I'm like, what the hell test was that just to scare the shit out of me while I'm sleeping was basically the test. And then what they do is as soon as that happens, um, they come in, they take more blood, and then they measure like, you know, how 
I guess how much adrenaline was released to like put your body in a panic mode so right. they can get an idea of, you know, what's happening. So, I mean, the tests were all super advanced and I was feeling confident that they'd be able to find something. Like, did you feel more confident with them than you do with your normal doctor? Like, I know that you love your normal doctor and I everything, do. but, you know, did you feel like you were in good hands? I did feel like I was in good hands, better hands than anyone else's I have been in. And this goes for every single appointment that I went on there. And remember, it was two to three a day for, mm-hmm. you know, right. two and a half weeks. But, um, you know, the the weirdest thing was is that with this situation, my doctor would have never have found what was causing this. And why is that? Because what I have is called POTS. <clears throat> not not on my person, but in me. <laughs> and basically, POTS is, you know, usually found by a combination of tests dealing with um, both neurology, cardiology, mm-hmm. pulmonology, all of those tests together are what's, you know, is how you figure out the cause of POTS. Now, this is not a very common disease, correct? Or syndrome, it's a syndrome. Yes, and it's and it's actually classified as, uh, it, it is classified as a rare disease, is what mm-hmm. it's classified as right now. And just to give you an idea of, you know, the misdiagnosis that's involved with this, which is so common, um, two years ago, there were, 200,000 known cases. That was it. Okay. In the last two years, there are 500,000 known cases. So this thing just kind of blew up as more people are understanding what it is. And a lot of it, a lot of it, um, you know, is coming from people who are getting bariatric surgeries. Why? Um, mostly because the recovery time and lifestyle change, um, are all kind of threatening to your mind. So, you know, when you make these big lifestyle changes, it's always for the good, usually, like if you're going to make these changes, but your head doesn't know the difference. Your head's thinking like something's changed and something's not right. And every time you do one of these things you're one step closer to your head saying, I don't want to do this no more. For example, um, the way one of these things was explained to me was like old people, how, you know, they're so afraid of standing up sometimes. You know, the older you get, the more afraid you are of standing up. And the reason for that is, um, which was explained so eloquently by my favorite doctor that I met there. Yes, I remember you telling me this story. Yes, was, um, you know, if you're five feet tall, and you stand up, your eyes are perceiving you to be five feet above the ground. Mm -hmm. When you're young, you kind of, you know, you get used to it and you just kind of push the fear away and you learn to live with it. But as you get older, you're starting to rationalize things. Right, yeah. And you're like... You don't want to break a hip. Right. But when you stand up, you're thinking, you know... Hey man, we are hey kind of high up. If we fall and hit your head, it's gonna hurt. And it comes this psychological thing where, 
you know, old people like, nope, I'd rather sit down. I'd rather be in a wheelchair. I'd rather, you know, not get out and piss you know, and moan. Yeah, because I think it's <laughs> trying to get past that fear. And right. It's, you know, it's you against you pretty much. And a lot of people don't win that battle. Right. Um, it's same holds true for like babies. When babies are first starting to walk, walk, they have that same fear. And it's because they know if they try to stand until they learn balance, they're going to fall. So that's why it takes kind of a long so time long, for babies right. to get up and running. And they're all, you know, it's not like, you know, at the one year mark, every kid should be walking. Some of them have more fear or whatnot of right. falling and they won't necessarily do it. Doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It's just what right. it is. So it's literally baby steps. It's literally baby steps, which they kept saying, like as far as workouts, anything, baby steps, running, not happening. But um, but they didn't just like someday. But like you have to do your due diligence. It's and a long way. Off. It's a long <laughs> way off. But I think like once you start actually walking and doing your exercises, you're gonna feel a lot better. And you're going to, because you looked, you just mentally, you seem better. You know what I mean? Because you know that the things that you have to do and right. the things that like, you know, you have an answer and you know, it's not life threatening, thank God. And it's not, you know, as scary as like we thought that it was going to be. Yeah. And, you know, and that's the thing, man. I, I feel like man. a lot of the, you know, the feeling and looking better, you know, in general, um, I mean, I don't feel better by, you know, like... But mentally, like, you're I mentally at die. ease. Right, which was, you know, to be honest, like, before we left, man, it was not... Like, <laughs> it was very scary. Like, I was... I, like, was losing my mind a little bit because it was like, what's going to happen? Like, what are they going to tell us? Because we had no idea. No. And seriously, to be honest with you, I really thought we were going to the Mayo Clinic to find out how much longer I had to live. I no thought joke. that too. I, I'm not because, like, when I would look at you and just see you, like, it's scared. I was scared to death. Like, I was absolutely 100% scared to death. Yeah, me too. I mean, you know, it sucks. It was just kind of like I am going to spend all this money to go there, and they're gonna say, you know, you got two years because of whatever. Right. I mean, the good news is, is that, you know, I'm not the only one with this and people are learning more about it. There are some horror stories about people who have POTS because I have been researching. Yes, you have. Insane amounts. It's almost an obsession learning about POTS. Well, of course it is because you have to know. And it was just like, you know, after your bariatric thing, like you started learning things after, you know, and just you have to because so little is known about it and it's so similar to other issues that you've been treated for for years that like maybe you had this all along and it just got you know triggered into high it kicked into high gear because of the bariatric surgery the two kidney surgeries the horrible infection yeah and you know and that's the other thing they said too we can't they can't gauge how long you have had pots for mm -hmm. they can't gauge if it has gotten better or worse until after they know you've had it and, they and do then a they monitor tests. that yeah because yeah, there was no baseline of it but now there's an actual baseline the problem becomes is finding local doctors mm -hmm. that you know that understand what pots is because i mean so many people you know i'm reading that once you get this, there is possibilities for more things to go wrong. 
Luckily for me, I don't have any symptoms of, you know, like other diseases. But I mean, you know, there has been, you know, people who are having seizures. There mm-hmm. are people who are, you know, are not allowed to drive, which is also a possibility. Like right. my license may not be my license anymore. That might be getting taken away if I don't find a way to get the blood pressure returning to somewhere where it needs to be before, you know, I'm due to renew my license. Um and it's not that I drive, but what sometimes if I want do. to? Yeah, sometimes you do. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not like, you know, I want to just sit in the apartment and just take mass transit everywhere. At some point, you know, yeah, like we go on vacation. Go to Ireland and be there without a car would just be like. And drive our well, little. What's the point? Drive our little Cooper or Peugeot or something. Fiat. Or Fiat, yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> but, um, you know, I guess overall, it's not. You know, it's not bad news in that it's not life-threatening, but it is certainly not good news in that there is no cure for it. There's, you know, right. there's not a lot of research done to it. Uh, but your work it, your but... work is just beginning, and you have to make the conscious effort to do the exercises that they told you to do and follow the rules and do 11 minutes and then build up when you know you're ready. Yeah. Because you think, because you're Mr. Tough Guy, so you think that you're ready even when you're not like the other day you came home and you were like, you know, you were so pumped up to be home and then you sat up and you like jumped off the bed and then like ran around the room to like go grab something. Cause you're like, Oh, I want to show you this. And then you just like spun around and like fell on the bed. And I thought like I was witnessing you blacking out and like you, you like kind of went somewhere for a second and it was just like, dude, like you have to take it easy because you were feeling good because we had been sitting there and you were filling me in on everything that had happened in the time that we were apart. And then, you know, you just forget for a second because you feel good for one second and you think like, okay, I can do this. And then, oh, no, no, I can't. Well, it's weird because there's no real pain. And when you're sitting down or laying down, your head is saying, there's nothing wrong with you. Like, what the hell is the problem? Like, go do something. And I think that's probably one of the most frustrating parts of it. And because you believe that nothing is wrong. And then you stand up and it's kind of like, oh, shit, I'm falling. Or everything is getting (laughs) black. Or, you know, I'm, you know, hitting through the tunnel vision thing again. And one of the biggest things, I mean, you know, like some of the major things are the feeling of nausea. It's the nausea, um, the passing out, the tunnel vision, mm-hmm. headaches. Um, it, you know, these are all normal symptoms, shaking. I have all of these. But the other one, aside from fatigue, that I feel more than anything is depression. And that comes because it's hard to accept that there's anything wrong because when you're sitting down, there's no pain or anything like that. And when you stand up, you fall apart, and then depression sets in because it's like, shit, things aren't normal. So, you know, that's one of the biggest things as far as trying to get over this hump and figure it out is, like, you got to keep your head in the game because... It's so hard to, right, you know, yeah. it, it's just like, fuck it. What's the point? I might as well just lay here if that's <laughs> all I can do. And then you're like, shit, I really got to do stuff in order to try to make this better, even though I know it will never go away. So it's kind of crazy. And luckily, I'm at a place of work where I have been working from home for a while and 
I was just told that I will continue to be allowed to work from home. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Which is good, right. That was a huge concern. No, it's of kinda course. Like, I can't, it wouldn't, I don't think it would be right for me to ask, would it be okay if I work from home, like right up, up front? But, you know, if I wasn't able to work from home, like I would have no income. I would have no medical benefits. Right. I mean, you know, I'm fucked basically if if that was the case and that was another huge thing where it's like well what's gonna happen right of course yeah you were definitely worried about that i mean and like rightfully so because that's a big thing especially like in this like world right now you know but in this world right now working remote is so not a problem because it's so everything is connected so like but it's still so in its infant stages though i feel like like i feel like you know, some people, they get it in their head that, you know, it's okay if my staff goes and works from home because I trust they can do the work. Or younger people coming up, you know, who've worked remotely and now are in positions of management are like, oh, man, I always work from home. You can do it. But it's hard with people my age because right. people my age always, you know, got up, got dressed, went to work put in you know right no I definitely get that I mean I know that I've had bosses where if you know I don't see you you're not working exactly and and that's the case that I was worried about too it's kind of like man you and I both know when we work from home we work even we work harder and longer because we don't want anybody to question whether or not we're getting shit done so it's kind of like yeah am I getting like stuff done in two days that should be taking me five yeah, because I'm staying up all night to make sure that the right, stuff gets Right, yeah, done. because there's no separation. Because, like, usually when when it hits 6 o'clock at the office, I'm like, I'm going because I have a 45-minute to an hour commute, you know, ahead of me, which means I'm not getting home until, like, 7, Yeah, you know, at least 7. And it's like you're able to shut it off more. But here it's like, okay, well... I'm not showering in the morning, so, like, I don't have to get up that early, so I can wake up at 8.15, start work at 9, and then, like, I don't have to go anywhere to get lunch. Like, usually, like, I'd go out, you know, go out to lunch and take my time and wander around and stuff. Here, it's just, like, I go to the fridge, I come back, and you work. So, like, you end up working, like, a 12-hour day. Oh, yeah. And you just don't want to miss anything. Or, be like I said, be quite the question. I don't want to be questioned, yeah. The scariest part is because... You know, the only way that you could prove your worth when you work from home is by the amount of stuff you get done. Right, exactly, exactly. And I mean, I try to finagle, I mean, I try to finagle working from home as much as possible. Like, I do. Like, <laughs> well, especially now because you're my, my designated babysitter. <laughs> true, true. But it's also just like, you know, I can. Like, I, my God, like, even when I was working for Minnesota, like, I had one of my busiest days ever. I did, like, four interviews and wrote, like, five stories that day. And it was just, like, holy shit. And, like, because for me, Minnesota yeah. was not a vacation at no. all. You know, it was, like, because I couldn't go with you to the appointments except for, you know, the one test that you were having. So yeah. it was just, like, I saw the inside of our hotel room. Yeah. And they wouldn't, I mean, it was it was cool the way they, they would do it because they weren't allowing anybody to come in with you know with people for the tests and stuff like that like they just took the patient one-on-one because they wanted because it's about you and you need to be comfortable and it's the same reasons why like you know I didn't want my mom to come for my surgery it's like you're gonna stress me out and you need to just be in your zone to be able to handle the stuff that they were doing I would say that because after you guys left it was just me and my parents I would say my parents stressed me out but they handled it super well Mm mm-hmm 
and they treated me to steak. So what the hell, man? I'm not going to complain about that shit. Honestly, the food in Minnesota <laughs> is like, like it's a to me, it's like I would go there once a year just to like eat my <laughs> fill. Like it's a it's a desti- it's a food destination for sure. It's just, a, I mean, it's just such a great city in general. Like just, you know, I like St. Paul better than I like Rochester, Rochester for yeah. sure. Because Rochester is seriously just miles of hospital. Right, it is. Much. Yeah, I mean, like, it's the Minnesota's GDP is the Mayo Clinic. And the Mayo Clinic is like 34,000 people that yeah. work there. So you see, you look out your window, you know, we would look out the hotel window or, you know, you walk down the street and you see just pink scrubs, blue scrubs, gray, like everybody's in scrubs because the workers are walking around. I mean, it's beautiful. Like the Mayo Clinic was the most beautiful medical facility I had ever seen in my life. It's pretty state of the art. Like, it was crazy. And reading about some of these tests that I had gotten, like, there are so few places in the entire world that do these tests. And the Mayo Clinic is one of them. So, I mean, you know, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad they found something. I wish it wasn't what they had found, but I guess it sure beats the alternative. Of course, yeah. And if you just are a good boy and you do what they tell you, your life will improve. It's not going to happen today. It's not going to happen tomorrow. Maybe not even next week or next month, but it's going to happen if you follow the rules and do what they tell you. And that's what I'm going to be here for. Yay. I get to be your jailer. Just like I always dreamed. (laughs) Who doesn't love to torture me? (laughs) <laughs> so why don't we wrap up Roly Poly Rorty and um, you know I'll try to educate people more on pots as we go along you know with the stuff that I find out but you know as of right now I feel like the weight loss is good they're not you know upset with the amount of weight that I lost they're happy about that so it's just a matter of now figuring out how to stand up without falling over you're going to be the pot ambassador oh god if only <laughs> Let's roll that music. All right, so I guess that wraps up this week's show because we had an entire Roly Poly Rorty. So, yeah. Look at you, center of attention. You had your segment in the beginning. Yeah. And then See? you, well, I take what I can get these days. That's it. You got some, you got some scraps. <laughs> <laughs> you love them. All right, everybody, if you want to learn more about the High Regard Show, and as we learn more about it, which we'll hopefully post some articles on it going forward as time permits um, about POTS, check out our website at highregardshow.com. And of course, if you want to share any experiences, stories, whatever. Cheese curd recipes that we can make here in New York. Cheese curd recipes. Thank you very Mm -mm -mm. much. Feel free to write us at highregardshow at gmail.com. And you can always find us on any social media outlet as High Regard Show. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We will see you again next week. Glad to be home. Bye-bye. Good night. Welcome home. Thanks. Last word. Bye.
I want to go.